Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the NSLs podcast. I hope you're well. Who's listening? My name's Stephen, the host of NSLs, and I'm glad to be joined by a show regular, Anthony. How are you? I'm all good, Stephen. It's uh, it's good good to be back on for the pretty decent uh, international break for Scotland, and uh, yeah, Celtic uh, are back in action at the weekend, so it's all good. Uh, as you said, obviously, before we go on the Celtic kind of matters, we'll we'll just touch upon Scotland quite briefly. Obviously. They played Moldova and most recently Austria. They won both games, 1-0. Then the Diggs was a goal scorer in both games. And you were at the Moldova game at Hamden. What was it like being back? Uh, it was it was fantastic. I, I was very pleasantly surprised, to be honest. I mean, I, I purchased the, the ticket um, a few weeks back and, you know, you, you were having your pick of where you wanted to sit in the stadium. Um, but when I got there on, on Saturday, um, there was over 40,000 there. It was practically a full house in the lower bowl. Uh, it was only the, the top tier of the, the south stand that was closed off, so it was a brilliant atmosphere. And um, obviously, we've, we've came away uh, with a good win on Saturday night, um, although if we'd have perhaps taken our chances, we could have had a wee bit of a better goal difference. But then to follow that up with a, a fantastic result over in Austria um, to give us... the uh, We really needed six points uh, from the, the nine available. We weren't really expecting anything from Denmark. Um, there, you know, I think we can all accept it. That's a, a country that's a, a class or two above us at present. But it's really about the fight for second place, and we've given ourselves a really good chance now. Um, so, all, you know, massive game coming up uh, next month against um, Israel at Hamden. So, hopefully, we, the, the Tartan Army can pack the place out again. It seems to be Israel's always the, the, the next game, the next tough game, isn't it? I think it's the last like three or four years Israel's been kind of dominating Scotland for Israel, isn't it? Like, yeah, that's it. I think it must be the most common fixture in the international calendar now, um, Scotland Israel. Um, but yeah, obviously we, um, it's been very you know sort of fifty fifty in the results. But obviously we got the one that that, that mattered in the the Euro playoff last year, and uh, obviously that put us through to the to the, the the eventual playoff against against Serbia. So yeah, we're hoping for another positive result at, at Hamden in a few weeks. Aye, I mean. The, the, we cover Scotland in the, the European Championships. It was just fantastic seeing the atmosphere around the place and people celebrating, people getting out to pubs with their friends and stuff. And obviously back then it wasn't quite full of stadiums everywhere, but it was just the atmosphere and kind of the positivity it spread kind of around the country was fantastic. And seeing in terms of obviously performers on the field, I've seen a lot of things on Twitter. Billy Gilmore's getting a lot of praise, Cal McGregor, rightly so. Who for you has kind of been the standout player over the last three games? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, watching uh, uh, the only thing I would say about him, he, he missed a really good chance against Moldova. But apart from that, he really did run the show. I have, I have to say, Billy Gilmore would get my vote as well. He's a real class act. Every time he's on the ball, he just looks so comfortable. Always trying to, you know, sort of look for a forward pass or or even just the most simple pass. You know, you don't have football can be overcomplicated at times, uh, or some players or coaches try and make it out to be. Um, but yeah, he's he's a real class act. But uh, you obviously have to give um, credit to our big man up front as well. You know, he's he's not Cristiano Ronaldo by any stretch of the imagination, but he scored two match winners in two very important games the last couple of weeks. So full credit to London Dykes as well. Uh, one was a penalty, wasn't it, against Austria? So the, the the pressure of hitting that penalty would have been immense. Obviously, no one's coming next. And we had in the Celts, obviously, all hope for the best for Scotland and a big, big result, hopefully, against Israel coming up. But we'll move on to current matters with Celtic. And I suppose the one big thing that's standing out from the international duty, and as much as it can throw it to you in terms of club football, injuries, suspensions, that type of thing, COVID issues. We've seen an injury to Kyogo, 
Now, I don't know how serious it is, but from the footies I've seen, Anthony, he's went down on challenge and seems to be clutching at his knee. And I did notice in the last game he played for Celtic, he was on the bit of baller with his knee, and I think that resulted in him being took off in the game. But is that a concern for yourself that Kyogo might be missing? Obviously, we don't know the extent of the injury, but assuming if it's a knee injury, it could be a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my heart sank when I heard the news, uh, Stephen. I've not seen the footage yet, so like you say, that doesn't seem to have, it seems to have been an off-the-ball uh, incident. It's not been any sort of particular player to blame or anything like that. Um, and yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The last few weeks um, when we've been at the matches, I've seen that a few times. He sort of went down and he's been holding either you know, either the, his knee or the, the back of his calf. Most of the time, to be fair, when it's been domestically, it's been through... Um, really reckless challenges from uh, opposing players, but this seems to have been something a little bit different. So, um, you know, Touchwood, it doesn't seem to have sort of gathered any sort of more sort of sensational headlines in terms of you know there's not been anything coming out of the club to suggest that it could be anything long term. Yeah, I mean, the biggest issue is but, as well. Yeah, obviously, when, when your star players injured, that's a concern. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Kyogo's been our main performer this season. Without a shadow of a doubt, he's been the best player at Celtic. And the way he plays, I mean, it's through the middle, that's his position. And, and the scene that the former Japan coach came out and criticised the current Japan coach, funny enough, for playing him out in the left. And kind of, and that's what Apostle Caldo has been trying to do, but it's an, an experiment for me that's failing. But just touch, touching upon who could even come in to replace him. Obviously, we've got Giamakis that come in. He was a top goal scorer in the Eredivisie, the Dutch League. And we've got Albany Yeti as well. Now, we're playing Ross County on Saturday. I don't know where Dean Macus is in terms of match fitness. Obviously, a Yeti kind of in and out. At the start of preseason, it looked like he would have been first choice going forward. But again, that changed quite quickly in the middle of preseason. What about yourself? Is it a concern? Obviously, not to jump the gun, but Dean Macus is the top goal scorer. And after that, maybe in the striker position, we are lacking a bit of depth, aren't we? Yeah, obviously the the departure of Edwards sort of it's uh he's certainly a uh, new striker, uh, Jim Marcus. He certainly got big shoes to fill. Um, having said that, when I was reading uh, an article by Pierre Van Hoydonk um, in the papers last week, he was sort of getting asked his opinion on on the guy, just as obviously it was the deal had just been became official, uh, and obviously Pierre, being a, a Dutchman and knowing a thing or two about scoring goals for Celtic, was asked his opinion uh, on it. And he, he did say that Giamakis is more of a, a sort of Lee Griffiths type striker than a, than an Edward. But that's not to say that he can't hold the ball up or anything like that, or that he's not physical. So, yeah, but having said, I think he has been sort of training at Lennox Town pretty much since the the deal was made, um, as has the, the other two guys who came in on deadline day as well. So you would like to think that they'll be as fit and as ready as they as they possibly can be, that, that you know they've certainly had they've had a lot more time to gel with their new teammates than the likes of uh, you know Kyogo himself did when he first uh, joined up after his uh, period of self isolation. So I think starting uh, for Saturday at least, I think um, it may well be the case if if Kyogo if it's if he's not going to be fit that um, we could see a, a couple of debuts on Saturday uh, definitely. Yeah, I mean. In terms of Giamakis, you're right to point out that Van Hooydonk, I've seen what he said as well in terms of the kind of player that Giamakis could be in the Scottish League. Now, I'm going to take a bit of a side path with you here, Anthony, and it's something we haven't really preferred for, but I just want to know a few things. I wasn't really, well, I was born in 94, and I don't really have much memories of Van Hooydonk. Obviously, 
I've looked back and foot, old footies and stuff of that team because my granddad always says that the Tom, Tommy Burns team played the best football he's ever seen watching Celtic. And by all counts, they missed out on the league. Was it by a point, was it, or something like that? Or something? Yeah, well, they, they so, went through the 95-96 campaign. Um, they only lost one match uh, the, full, yeah. the full season. It was just a, unfortunate. We, we drew far too many games and, and Rangers sort of pulled away sort of near the end of it. But yeah, we were, we were right in the mix that season, right up till yeah. the very end, um, which was which was bitterly disappointing. But yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on with the, the correction. Yeah. We, we only lost one match, yeah. I mean, my granddad always says to me that Tommy Burns was ahead of his time in terms of manager, but in, in the way the style he played and stuff. But what about Van Hooydonk? What type of memories do you have of him in a Celtic shirt? He was probably my first uh, sort of goal-scoring uh, Celtic hero, to, to be honest, Stephen. I, I was just sort of starting to go to the games at that point. Uh, the the stadium reopened in 1995. It was the, the North Stand and the, the South Stand. It was Those were the only two uh, stands available. The, the full sort of old terracing had been demolished. And um, that season, 95-96, uh, the season that we just mentioned there, uh, my dad and my elder brother Kevin, we were they, they went through to the games uh, every Saturday. Uh, they had a, a season ticket in the, the temporary stand behind the goals, but because of the, it took a little bit longer than expected for the temporary stand to get their um, to get the the sort of safety certificate. So as a compensation, yeah. because my dad and my brother had already paid for the tickets. They ended up a lot of the time being in the in the main stand, you know, in, in absolutely brilliant seats. Uh, and the following season, uh, when my brother was getting a bit older, he would start paying for his uh, a separate ticket, and I would take the season ticket and go along with my dad. And um, so ninety six, ninety seven was the the year of the the three amigos, as it were, you know, Cadet, the Canio, Van Hoydonk, Andy Tom, you know, all all, all of that side. And yeah, they were. It, as your granddad's absolutely spot on. They were an absolute joy to watch. It was just uh, if if it hadn't been for a, a certain Mister Gorham in the in the Rangers goal, uh, that side could have uh, racked up a few uh, a few trophies before they they all went their separate ways. But yeah, I, I, my memory of Van Hooydonk was he was uh, he was a fant- fantastic in there. He was a he was a big he's about six two six three, and uh, yeah, just he could hit a free kick. He could. Scored goals with either foot. Just a, it could be. He was a battering ram, but he was he had great control as well. Um, it was just a shame, obviously, around the time that uh, him and his uh, his relationship with uh, Fergus McCann just completely broke down, and um, you know the writing was on the wall um, when Fergus refused to bow his wage demands. But um, <laughs> but then again, of course, a certain Mister uh, Larson from Sweden followed the year after, so you know it, it wasn't a bad replacement to be fair to him. Uh, but yeah, it was I, it was as I say, I was sort of seven, eight years old at that point. I was just starting to get to go to the games, and yeah, he was uh, a special player. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, the thing that sticks out to me when I think about Van Hooydonk is all the different hairstyles he's had. Every photo I've seen, it's it's all different. <laughs> and you're right, <laughs> the, like the footage, the footage I've watched and. He scored a bullet, bullet headers, does both feet, as you said, free kicks as well. And they get a striker to do everything like that, especially nowadays, is worth its weight in gold. Hopefully, Giamakis can live up to some of his expe- well, some of his kind of expectations in terms of what he said in the article about him. But I mean, we're looking ahead to the Saturday's game here against Ross County, and with big team six 0 do you know what I mean? Hearts and the Cup three two. 
are you confident we can kind of turn over Ross County in terms of getting another big result? Be I said to you guys before in the previous podcast, the league form for me at the moment isn't really good enough. But again, you can see the the progression, and I do agree with what everyone says in terms of Postecoglou at the moment. He's working miracles at Celtic Park from where we were left last season. And another thing I noticed as well, Anthony, did you see this thing going around Twitter that Neil Lennon's doing a Legends Night with, um, I can't remember who it is, but the, the other player involved in terms of Celtic, but he's doing a Legends Night, and I don't think that's going to go down too well with the majority of the Celtic support. Mm. I, really, I really don't. But looking ahead to the game, what's your, your feeling towards it? Uh, yeah, well, obviously we have to be, you know, very sort of respectfully Ross County. You know, they did beat us twice last year. Um, oh, that's, that's the thing. Um, a, a defeat to Ross County did cost Neil Lennon his job last season. The only problem was that it was the second defeat in February and rather than the first defeat in November um, that ended up uh, where he was finally relieved these duties. Uh, so we have to be, you know, we've got to be very careful um, about getting too ahead of ourselves. I, I, I agree with you. But having said that, um, this is a, a completely different Celtic side now. I think a, a, the, the dressing room is is more united, I think, than uh, than it's been in a, a long time. I think everyone, including the fans, sees what Ange is, is trying to achieve, the way he's trying to play the game. And I think the players are buying into that. I, I think, obviously, your Christopher Ayers, your Christie's and your Edwards, especially, they had sort of one eye on the door as much as they were happy to go along with it. Uh, with his message, you could say, especially those last couple of games, the bad habits of Edward and Christie were really starting to come back to the the four. Um, so yeah, it's and it's it is good that those guys have, have finally been moved on. And likewise for a range of other issues, I think um, Lee Griffiths is a distraction that the manager just simply yeah. doesn't need. So I think the the dressing room and the the squad as a whole um, is all sort of pulling in the same direction. So yeah, I think. There's, there, as much as it sounds cliche, I, I actually do agree with it these days. There's no such thing as easy games. Um, but having said that, in the same breath, I think a home match against Ross County um, could be... You, you, there's not really many other teams in the league at present that you would want at home on the back of an international break and a and derby disappointment from a couple of weeks before. Uh, I think this is a real chance for you know, and it's a, a, a just seen today that it's actually a sellout at Celtic Park on Saturday, um, so it's going to be a you know massive crowd, um, probably a few debuts in the team, uh, so they've got a real chance to sort of stamp their make sort of make their mark on the team uh, right from the word go. You know what Ange is going to be like? It's going to be the typical hundred mile an hour start, <laughs> yeah. and um, hopefully that quickly. Um, similar to what happened against St Mirren uh, and uh, Dundee before that if we can get off on the right foot and, and really get at them and if we manage to get a couple of goals early doors then you know it, it, it could be comfortable but we've slipped up a few times in the past against Ross County not just last season uh, and that can sometimes be the case of just not being focused in uh, treating the game properly so it's important to do that but I'm fully confident that Ange will uh, have everyone like uh, the phrase I used uh, before uh, in a couple of podcasts before was the sort of tunnel vision, just one game at a time. Anything that's happened has, has happened. Um, you know, we've had a, a few down points already this season, but we've had a few highs as well. And uh, yeah, the next game's the most important one. So just get out there and get the three points uh, in the bag and we can move on to the start of the Europa League next week. 
Yeah, the first game's against Real Betis, isn't it? Yeah, so that's yeah, something. That, yeah, that's something to look forward to. But in terms of like Ross County, I think you're right. We got beat twice by them last season. Obviously, one of the games led to their massive protests. I say Celtic Park, and that for me is when Lenny should have left. But unfortunately, as you said, it was February the one that kind of ended his reign as Celtic manager. But looking at it, I think at the moment, Anthony, they would be our bogey team. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. They've had a, a few positive results against us, not just um, at their home ground, but obviously Celtic Park uh, last year as well. Like you say, Stephen, I, I'm, I totally agree with you. I, that was the day that Neil Lennon should have been sort of removed from his position as Celtic manager. Um, you could see at that point that he had completely lost the dressing room, he'd lost the trust of the players. I'm, I'm not saying that he's completely and solely to blame for that. Players have got to take responsibility for their actions last season as well. But it was, you know, Stevie Wonder could see that the, the season was gone as far as Neil Lennon was concerned uh, last year. Yeah. Salvageable. Um, but yeah. unfortunately, we did have been delayed. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure Neil may get asked a question or two about that. Um, at, at, like you say, at the upcoming uh, fan event, it's Paul Lambert who's the, the other guest yes, that night. Um, that's who it is, yeah. It may well be that the fact that uh, Paul still subscribes to the uh, the survival lie uh, across the across the river that might take a little bit of the heat off Neil, right enough. So I'm sure uh, all the fans that are going, I'm not going myself. I've been to a few of these first star events, um, but I'm not going to this one. Uh, I can't make it, but I'm sure uh, those who are, uh, well, I dare say, might have a, a sort of difficult question or two for the for both guys. I must admit. Oh, I think it'll be it'll be a tasty event, and you're right to touch upon the players. Kind of last season were gone, and obviously, I know we keep saying referring back to Danny Lennon, but he did call the players out after that European game against Furness Faros, and he basically said players didn't want to be there. And if you look at it now, Ayer, Christie, and Edwards away, but there's one player that's kind of slipped under the radar who was, I think, one of them players. I think many Celtic fans believe, and that's Oliver Nisham. He was let go. He was his contract was terminated, and he's recently. Signed a new, uh, signed a, a three-year contract with Swansea City. Now, just touching upon some of these players, Anthony. I mean, in some games, Oliver Nisham was the the best. I mean, the best midfielder I think anyway in the Scottish League at times. And then other games, he was just he was he was woeful. What do you think it was with him that didn't work, really work out? So, do you think it was just merely down to attitude? Yeah, I, I th- it, it was a strange one. You know, like you say, there was days where, and, ch- and funnily enough, quite a few times against Rangers, he always uh, he seemed to to raise his game uh, in the derbies. You know, he scored a couple of uh, match winners, I think, against them. Uh, certainly, well, he scored one at Hamden, and he scored, uh, I think it was Steven Gerrard's first derby as Rangers manager. Yeah. He, he scored the winner at Celtic Park. Yeah, so he, he's certainly one of those guys who's got all the talent in the world, but just doesn't, it's, it would appear, doesn't seem to have that level of application. Now, when Neil Lennon came back, uh, that, that summer, so the, the summer after we'd won the treble treble, um, there was a lot of chat about Encham going, he didn't seem to be Neil Lennon's type of player, he was making sort of inappropriate remarks in the media about he wanted to be here, there and everywhere, anywhere but Celtic, it seemed at one point. However, and it was actually one of Neil Lennon's better um, days at the office where, when it comes to man management the two of them sat down and had proper clear the air talks and, and Cham in the, the first part of the season that sadly was curtailed due to lockdown and Cham looked a, a different player obviously scored the, the winner over in Lazio 
and uh, he was really having a making a big impact. And we thought we've got the charm of old back, but yeah, like you say, from the minute um, the players returned from lockdown last season, um, like a lot of the other players, the bad habits had, had sort of creep back in his his play and his sort of his all round demeanour, and. You know, he was put out on loan. I think it was was it Marseille, I think he went to. Or Marseille yeah, or Lyon, I can't remember. One of the sort of larger French teams. And they were told he was basically binned from, from that deal as well, that the manager over there wasn't interested in him either for for the reasons that we've uh, just sort of discussed. Um, poor attitude and training, sort of lazy, lack of dedication sort of thing. So it's sort of came to a head uh, this summer. You could just even listening to one press conference for Ange Postacoglu would sort of allude to the fact that Oliver and Cham is not his type of player. Um, and Cham is what I call a fair weather player. He's he, there's days when he can turn it on, but when he's not in the mood, um, he you know he's as good as a man short. And I always remember uh, that night at St Mirren when he got a red card after you know 15, 20 minutes. It was an he could just tell it was a Friday night game. He didn't want to be there, and he almost, it almost did look like he got himself deliberately sent off just so he could go for an early bath. Um, his performance that night was absolutely um, abysmal. It, it could well have been that there was no way back for him uh, that night, but he did sort of make his way back into the team a little bit. But I, I, I just feel for where in Champs concerned that he's like you say all the talent in the world, but unless you are prepared to be dedicated and focused 24 hours a day now uh, as a professional football player, you won't make it to that next level. Um, if Encham had kicked on from his highs at Celtic, um, he could be he could have been sort of looking at uh, a, a proper uh, team in the, the Premier League. Uh, as it stands, he signed a deal with Swansea, so with the greatest of respect, are, are not world beaters. Um, but that's unfortunately the level that he's at at the minute. Well, if you do look at it as well, you make a great point there in terms of obviously dedication, fitness, and obviously the craft of football. Now, I mean, Brenda Rogers described it as a 24-hour athlete. That's that's what yeah. it is. You have to be in that mindset 24-7. And if you look at um, Encham, and I was saying Nisham, honestly, that's lost my train of thought. But <laughs> and, and, Encham and Christie, they were both angling for moves to bigger clubs in, in the Premier League. And, as you rightly said, Incham had chances to go to Porto. Obviously, Celtic rejected them advances and the offers, and we let him go on a free, and now he's signed for a championship club on a three-year contract. Likewise, Ryan Christie. Now, just to touch upon Ryan Christie here, just briefly, I spoke about it on, on the transfer roundup show with Edward Franny in terms of him going to Bournemouth. Now, he was he was really wanting to go to the Premier League, and he turned down Burnley, I think. I, I can't grasp why, to be honest. They're, they're a solid Premier League club. I don't know what he's thinking there. But if you, if you look at Bournemouth and the, the quotes that Ryan Christie's come out and said, the, the Robbie King quotes, as Franny said, in terms of, oh, I've always had an affinity with this club. I've always liked this club and followed it. Do you think this move, for me anyway, I think it was purely down to money. What's your opinion on it? Because there's nothing Bournemouth has. There's actually nothing Bournemouth has that Celtic don't have, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that deal for Ryan Christie is pure base solely uh, for financial gain um, and I'm actually quite disappointed that neither he nor his, uh, his father really have the, the, the kind of guts almost to just come away and say it 
Um, to be honest, Stephen, I mean, his dad, uh, Charlie, was in front of the media today and said that he made the move um, as he sees it as a stepping stone. And he actually managed to say that um, without, you know, bursting out laughing. Um, he actually managed to say it with a straight face. Um, Ryan Christie's took a step backwards in his career, but he's actually at the level that he's... Uh, there's a reason why Burnley were the only Premier League team interested in him. And there's a reason why he has ended up at a championship club, because that's where his recent performances suggest uh, that he should be. Um, again, James, uh, our friend of the show, uh, penned an article about it last week, and he seemed to suggest that his departure actually came as a bit of a shock to Celtic's hierarchy and to Ange himself, because I think he did seem quite prepared to sign a new contract. And I think in terms of weekly wage, he's was going to be on the same as what he is now at Bournemouth. Uh, the only difference being that Bournemouth offered them a, a quite substantial signing on fee, which is what got the deal over the line. So there is, I, I just wish sometimes players would be a bit more honest. Ryan Christie has left Celtic for financial gain. And there's, I, I, I fail to see the, the the sort of attraction to it. Uh, I know the, these guys at Celtic, they're not on sort of English Premier League wages. But having said that, if you knuckle down and you perform for Celtic, not only will Celtic end up being successful, but you will attract the sort of bigger clubs down south that can afford to pay you the sort of life-changing money. Um, there's a reason why Kieran Tierney's been touted to be the captain of Arsenal at the minute, because as we see, Kieran Tierney's got all the talent in the world. Um, I actually think Arsenal was the wrong choice, but you can see why the fans want him to be captain because he's so talented. Um, but like I say, I think he made he made the wrong move. Arsenal was the, the wrong club for him. Um, but I I, I fail to see, and I, and I, I accept that I say that with um, sort of green tinted spectacles. But if I'm looking at both of the offers. I've got the chance to redeem myself to the Celtic crowd. I'm going to be playing in Europe. Um, and, you know, the chance to sort of certify yourself as a, a, a you know, someone that will go down in the history of the club. Or I can make a couple of extra bob and go and play in the English First Division. It's it's bizarre. But um, that's the modern day player, I'm afraid. Um, some players are motivated by the opportunity to become legends. Uh, other op other players are motivated by the opportunity to become rich beyond their wildest dreams. Um, and sadly, players in the bracket of Ryan Christie and others don't seem to grasp the fact that you can have both, provided you're prepared to knuckle down at the, the club that gives you that opportunity. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100%. And one player to kind of epitomise that in, in the past was, do you remember George Samaras? Obviously, you remember him, but. He said he'd rather have trophies and a money, a money full of a bank account full of money. Do you know what I mean? And that's yes, that's the way you look at it because that's the way you remembered and everyone remembers Samras. Do you know what I mean? Is he a Celtic legend? Is he whatever? But he's definitely a cult icon in my opinion. People loved yeah. him. Do you know what I mean? And Ryan Christie is, as you said, he's went for a financial gain, a sign-on fee. Do you know what I mean? Come on here. And you know me, I'm not his biggest fan, but at the end of the day. He was playing okay for Celtic up until he left, and he, I think, Postecoglou fancied him as a player, and he could have got a tune out of him. But again, once they come sniffing Bournemouth, he's away again for money, and you just don't need that type of player around. But to look at it as well, Anthony, two players got their moves to the Premier League. Christopher Iron went to Brentford. I think it was for around 16 million, but I've seen reports saying it could be higher on that in terms of the initial fee. 
and then also Edward has went to Crystal Palace. Obviously, not big clubs in the Premier League. Brentford obviously newly promoted under a good manager and Thomas Frank. He, I'm a, I, I do like the way he plays and his style and stuff. But you look at touching upon Chris the also Edward first. I think he was purely purchased by Crystal Palace on his past reputation of a goal scorer that kind of hung on a wee bit for him because his form over the last 18 months for Celtic has been kind of, you know, crap. Let's put, let's put a lesser word on it there, do you know what I mean? But what's your opinion on Edward's move? Do you think Crystal Palace could be an actual stepping stone for him instead of a Bournemouth? Yeah, um, I, I do. I mean, in terms of all the clubs uh, that have... That all the players uh, that have left, that, have, that the clubs they've joined are all, in terms of footballing uh, pedigree, are all a step down. But obviously, they will make massive financial gains from it just with uh, the monies available down south, Stephen. Um, I think, and this is where, you know, you know me, like you said, perhaps similar to yourself with Christy, I've been at hierarchy in my time on the podcast, but I also have to believe in giving credit where it's due. Now, when a player, players like Ayer and Edward, Christy, when it becomes very obvious that these guys want a move away, it then becomes the, the job of uh, the sort of Celtic, you know, the, 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 the sort of board members to get the best deal possible for the club. That's that's when that's what their responsibility becomes. And I have to say, um, the monies that they've made from these want away guys in the last years of their contract is, is absolutely fantastic. I mean, Edward, I think it's initially sort of 15, 16 million, I think it was something like that, but it can rise to add-ons. I know PSG are due some of that, but it's still a fantastic fee for a player, like you say, who's been out of forum for, for such a long period of time uh, and in the final year of his contract. Um, Christie had even less, I think. His contract <laughs> was bizarrely up in January, and um, we've got a, a million-pound down payment for him, which, which uh, can rise... Uh, with further incentives, and like you say, Ayer, it's certainly in the teens of uh, millions, and uh, and can rise as well. And I'm, I think, um, although don't quote me, I think there is some sort of, uh, you know, sort of sell-on clause uh, with his uh, the deal that they negotiated as well. So what they've done there, uh, Celtic, essentially, is that they've got guys that don't want to be there. They aren't 100% committed. Uh, to Angie's sort of messaging what, what he wants to do. They've had an eye on the door for a long time now and we've managed to get big bucks in for them that we have, you know, obviously we've, Celtic ourselves, we've spent essentially the, the iron money already on, on the players that have come in. Uh, but Angie's also made it uh, clear that he looks to spend in January as well. Um, so the, the, obviously there will be money there uh, available for him. So I think we've got to give the, the Celtic board uh, credit where it's due in the fact that we've got huge sums of money in for players um, with less than a year on their contracts um, who weren't fully committed. So uh, as I say, I've got to, you know, I take my hat off to them on that. Edward, yeah, yeah I, like you say, because of current forum, he wasn't going to get the, you know, he wasn't going to end up at a Leicester or a, a Spurs or, or, or a team of that sort of level. And he's absolutely not, um, the cream of the crop, yet he wasn't going to, you know, he would have probably got laughed down the Stratford Road if, he, you know, <laughs> if any of his agents tried to go near Old Trafford or uh, or the Anfield Road if he was uh, going down Liverpool Way. Um, so Crystal Palace, yeah, that's I think that's a, a kind of fitting club for where he is at in his career. He's at a bit of a crossroads. And uh, 
Yeah, uh, and Ayer as well. Again, he's a good player, but I, I don't think any of us have seen him a, a lot would argue that he's uh, the next Virgil van Dijk. I think he's a, an honest guy who's he's obviously got a lot of uh, traits and uh, plus points, but he's got a lot of weaknesses in his game as well. Um, and again, wasn't really wanting to be still at the club. So I wish him well down at Brentford. And uh, I actually think it's a decent move for him because although they're, this is their first year in the, the Premier League, you can see that there is some sort of, it's a settled club down there. There is a, a vision. Yeah. Um, so it, it very much could kick on uh, and have a great career down south. But yeah, I wish them well. But, you know, it's uh, the, the guys that have come in now, it's all about them uh, to deliver and go and make their own name. Uh, write their own names in their history books. I seen a, a photo on Twitter doing the rounds today um, of Christopher Ayer and Ivan Tony celebrating the goal for Brentford. What could have been last season if we actually got him over the line? Eh? But oh, absolutely, yeah. That, that's <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, sliding doors short a moment, isn't it? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's like what could have been. But again, we'll turn our attentions back to the Ross County game, and in terms of lineup and score predictions, what's your your lineup prediction first, Anthony? Yeah, so like I was saying earlier, just with the fact that um, it's a home game against a you know perceived lesser team in the in the division, I think there is a, an opportunity there where a, a few guys could uh, make their first appearances for the club. Uh, so I've said I'm not necessarily saying this is the team I would I would want, but I think this is a team that we're probably going to get. Um, I think that obviously Joe Hart will start in goals. Um, now I think Tony Ralston one of the reasons he wasn't called up for Scotland, there was a bit of an outcry when Nathan Patterson um, pulled out with injury that Tony Ralston wasn't then drafted in. But there has been some reports in the last couple of days that that might be due to an injury. So I'm going to, I'm going to look in at my crystal ball a bit and say that I think Juranovic might actually start at right back um, on Saturday, which might then see uh, young Montgomery start on the on, at left back. Uh, so purely for the fact that that's uh, you know, quite a young uh, starting uh, lineup as well. I think what we'll probably see is Welsh and Starfelt. Uh, Starfelt mm. keep his place Very in the cool. back four. Uh, I Very think cool. that for, for this game, I think we will see Vickers uh, at some point. But I think purely for the fact that Montgomery might start, I think we might see um, sort of and stick with you know established too at least uh, for the start. I think Jota will make his debut. I think there's uh, obviously with Christie uh, away now. There's a big a lot of a big uh, gap to to fill on the left hand side, and that's his natural position. So, I think Ross County is as good a game as any to, to sort of throw. A, I think Abada will we'll start on the right, just again with the, the fact that um, Forrest, I believe, still isn't fit at the moment. So, uh, yeah, you, you got to go with uh, the man in forum, and I think we'll go Turnbull uh, and McGregor and Rogic in the middle. Just I, I think Thomas, uh, I think Rogic will be back in the team just again it's one of those games that uh he really could if he, if he if he's in the mood and he gets on the ball early doors he could cause county all sorts of problems and uh i think just because we don't know the extent of kyogo's injury yet i think we will most probably see uh giamakis make his debut as well um and perhaps if if kyogo is available maybe sort of come on from the bench or either that or it'll be a yeti who'll replace him later in the match um, so we just we await with bated breath to hear uh, Angie's press conference tomorrow with all the injury updates. Um, but yeah, I do think we'll see a couple of debuts tomorrow 
on Saturday, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'll go with Joe Hart and goal, Juralovic, right back, Welsh, Carter Vickers as the starting centre backs. And I'm going to throw in Liam Scales, Anthony, at left back. I just have a funny yeah, feeling yeah, yeah, that he'll start. Um, I'll go McGregor in front of that with Turnbull and Rodic. That midfield still concerns me in terms of the depth in it, but again, it's what we have to go with. On the right-hand side, I'll go with Abada. Through the middle, Giamakis, if Kyogo's not available, but if he is, I'll start Kyogo up there. And then on the left, the Portuguese wonder kid, Yada. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait to see this guy play because every report I'm seeing, whether it's from Portuguese news outlets or Benfica themselves, they all say this this kid. I say kid, he's 22, do you know I mean? But he's still young. But but apparently he's meant to be unbelievable. The YouTube clips I've watched of him again, YouTube, fair enough. But yeah. He looks, he looks fantastic, Anthony. Have you managed to see much of him, or are you, are you in the uh, dark as everybody else? Yeah, I've seen uh, a couple of the clips, and like, like you say, um, you always are a bit weary of the, the YouTube clips. I mean, uh, God, uh, some of the ones of Amido Baldi made him look like, you know, Diego Maradona, but, you know, you have to, you know, it's all about context. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see him. I mean, he's got a, a barnet. That would make Stuart Armstrong proud uh, for a start. Oh, um, I see his sweet. press conference yesterday, and uh, yeah, that haircut is absolutely magnificent. I wish I'd uh, hair like that myself. Um, but yeah, I, I I just think this isn't one of those. Uh, it's not sort of Harps at Tynecastle or Aberdeen at Petodre, where you know that there's going to be that big sort of physical intimidation. Um, or, you know, Ross County are a, a pretty bruising bunch themselves, but I just think. On the big pitch at Celtic Park, they're going to have so much room if they can get um, get him on the ball and he can sort of make things happen. I think it could be the, the perfect opportunity for him uh, to strut his stuff. So, yeah, as I, as I say, um, hopefully, though, um, our man from Japan, uh, Mr. Kyogo, will uh, be able to make an appearance at some sort uh, as well. We hope um, the reason why he was brought off on on Sunday was purely precautionary, uh, fingers crossed, because um, the last thing we want is for him to be on the sidelines for too long, because we've seen, so, even this early in the season, just how vital he could be for a title bid. Yep, 100%. I think you're right, he's keyed everything going forward. The way Celtic play and press him in front, Postacoglu wants that, and Kyogo's certainly that player. I mean, he's just fantastic. We could talk about him all night, Anthony, couldn't we? But <laughs> looking, looking ahead to the score predictions, what, what are you going with? Yeah, I think um, I think it could be a good day, another good day at the office. So, I'll, I'll, but I'll be, and, and in fact, no, do you know what? I'm, I, it's not. I can't be conservative about anything, and just even I hate I hate the word um, in every possible way. So I'm going to go full blown. Uh, I'm going to go for another six nil. Why not? <laughs> oh, six nil. Do you know what? I'll match you. We'll go six nil. <laughs> yeah. There's me at the start saying how, how we've got to be very respectful to Ross County and the two years are coming up with six <laughs> nil predictions. It's just a, it's just a feel good factor at the club at the minute. We're, 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 exactly. We've got the buds. Would it be too hard to ask you for goal scores? Have you thought of uh, that? Yeah, I think. Why well, say we'll say Giamakis will give uh, will break his duck, and I think maybe Jota will as well. So uh, one each for for those two, and then I think uh, a couple for Rogic and a couple for Abada as well. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm redistributing the goals uh, across uh, the full attacking lineup. I'll go a hat-trick for Giamakis. I'll go one for the other, and then two for Turnbull. I think that yeah, I think that sounds good. Sounds good. 
on it. And obviously, to, this is the end of the, the end of the kind of segment of the shows in terms of the, the, the topics and stuff that we covered. And you, I've brought back the quiz the last couple of times, but there's only the two of us. Actually. Like I'll be the quiz master, but I'll just win. So there's no point. <laughs> to it. But what what I'm going to task you with? I mean, we were talking about obviously Tommy Burns there and stuff there, and and things like that, and and obviously the. The, the likes of Van Hoydoink and the Canio and Cadetti. Could you name me a five-a-side fantasy team from then, from that team? Who would you have? From that era? Oh, yeah. Well, unfortunately, in, in terms of goalkeeper, I mean, un, until sort of Gordon Strachan even came along, because you have to say that even Martin O'Neill, you know, Rab Douglas was a, was an honest pro, but, you know, he certainly wasn't Arthur Boric or Fraser Forster and Celtic in the 90s especially. Goalkeeper was our, a, a real particular uh, low point for us. Uh, so you're struggling to find a keeper, but purely on the 96-97 the uh, goalie strip, that was my first goalkeeper strip when I was a wee boy, uh, when Stuart Kerr was the keeper. I'll, I'll go for Stuart Kerr in goals. Uh, and then I'm just trying to think, let's, we need to have a... about. I think um, he was a record signing uh, for a while uh, when we bought him from Bolton Wanderers. Uh, so I think we'll have big stubs at the back. Um, and then if it's five aside, I think you just got to have the three amigos uh, strutting their stuff all about the place. I'm sure, I know there'll be a lot of people screaming at me, going, "How have you not got the figure? Uh, got the maestro in there?" But even with a broken ankle, but um, Paul was just—he was actually the year before um, I started going to the games was when his career was winding down, sadly due to injury. So although I managed to see him, it was only um, as a, a sort of testimonial. And then I think there was maybe one game he came on as a substitute, and that's all I ever managed to see of uh, Paul McStay in the flesh. Uh, so that's my reason why I'm, I'm not putting him in the Tommy Burns uh, dream five aside. But I think uh, a keeper, a centre half, and then the three amigos uh, were just absolutely brilliant. So they would certainly, I'm not saying we would win the tenants uh, sixes because uh, with big Stuart and goals, we'd probably concede a few. But uh, the, the three amigos up front, it would certainly be uh, entertainment central. Well, look, I mean, I just landed on you, so fair play for, for doing that. I mean, I'd, obviously we go off a topic list, but I just fired that. I mean, fair play. But look, what a way to end the show. Have you enjoyed this one, Anthony? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I just um, wanted to, to, to say as well, um, Stephen, we're very lucky. Obviously, next week uh, we'll be reviewing the, the Ross County game, but we're uh, also going to be joined by my friend from work, who's uh, a Spaniard, who's... Uh, made his uh, home over here now. Uh, Mr Vicente Perez has kindly agreed to join us on Monday uh, because he is a Real Betis fanatic. Uh, so he's absolutely uh, buzzing. Uh, we're looking forward to getting Vicente on and we can sort of discuss the the upcoming Europa League match uh, in full. Uh, so yeah, a little bit of uh, Spanish flavouring uh, for us on Monday night. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, here's hoping for a, a good result. Uh, at the weekend and then we can look forward to to the European game on the back of a positive result mm-hmm. I mean I'm buzzing for that to be honest talk about the, the Celtic and Real Betis connection I think it'll be a fantastic show and hopefully we're celebrating the win as you said on Ross County and we look, look, look ahead to the European game but to everyone who's listening stay well and keep safe Hail hail. <laughs>